welcome to episode 20 of Flight Football and Anything Else. I'm Dave. And I'm Mike. How you doing, Dave? Hey, better than most, not as good as some. Mike, how you doing? Just wonderful. No complaints here. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of complaints, but ain't nobody going to listen anyway, so I'm just going to tell you I'm doing wonderful. Good. Awesome. Hey, we got a great show today. Um, lots going on. I think there's a rumor of a contest at the end, but we have a theme. I don't know how many themes we've had, but today's theme is early celebration of Cinco de Mayo on Cinco de Trace, or no, how does that work? Trace de Mayo. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, today's the third, but Cinco de Mayo's the fifth. But they get the point, Dave. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do any really serious pre-pod uh, imbibing. But um, yeah. Anyway, I said it right the second time. So yeah. So actually, you know, um, you bring that up, and I, I want to go right off the top of the pod here and let the listeners know that it is crucial, and this will be revealed later, episode episode three, segment three of episode 20, of the email address for our pod is ffaepod at gmail.com. Go ahead and write it down now, folks, because you'll need that later. Um, but yeah, Dave, um, Cinco de Mayo. I'm not sure if you know where it originated from, but it is the uh, Spanish holiday for, you know, the 5th of May, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, everybody knows that. It's an annual right. celebration held on May 5th. The date is observed to commemorate the Mexican Army's victory over the French Empire at the Battle of Puebla on May 5th, 1862, under the leadership of General Ignacio Zaragoza. That's Ooh, my style. Yeah, so you like the roll of the time. I did. did. I did. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I just want to throw it out there because, you know, I want the listeners to know that we're a podcast that is much deeper than just one of the two holes shitting their pants. So <laughs> I, want them to, I want them to know that. I mean, we are, we are an educated duo, if nothing else. So, yeah, so – it was your selection, and we've got a, a trio of Mexican beers, so to speak, and we're going to see how they go. Yeah. Um, so you're saying, Mike, basically that we're educated, we kind of know what's going on, but sometimes shit happens. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, good. We're on the same page then. Um, first on the docket, we've got Los Locos. It's a Mexican pale lager from Epic Brewing in Salt Lake City. And also they have a brewery in Colorado as well. But I think their, their, their main place is in Salt Lake City. It's a pretty standard 4.8% alcohol by volume with 25 IBUs. Everybody at Untapped has it at a 3.47. All right. Now, in addition to this, because we're celebrating Cinco de Mayo a little early, uh, we're also going to have a salsa tasting um, 
along with it. So we've got three salsas. We're going to have the first salsa. Um, and then we'll have the second salsa with the second beer and then the third salsa tasting with the third beer. And this is all compliments of my lovely wife, Shelly. Uh, great idea. Um, yeah, she, she took the tasting to another level in celebration of Cinco de Mayo, so kudos to her. And so let's crack this. Get this started, eh? Sounds like a plan. I'm going to go with the flights, football, and anything else mug. It's all bullshit. Great this minds think alike. Thanks, Jamie Wendy. Yeah, and Jamie, in case you – I know your uh, mom is listening to this pod. We have not got rid of her beer yet. That is slated for episode 22. So tell your mom we have not – we have greatly appreciate her donation to the pod, and we are going to sample them, but we have a certain order we have to maintain here at the pod because, you know, we're uh, – just very disciplined people here at the pod. So episode 22 will be your mother's donation, which we greatly appreciate. Very much so. Here That's we go. Happy, bad boy, Dave. Cheers. Cheers. Hmm. Oh, good. Wow. Hey, that I definitely taste the lime there. Well, there's very, very much a lime taste to that. So now are we going to go right into the salsa or? I think we should because we need to, uh, we need to see how well, you know, the salsa pairs with the beer. All right. And I apologize to the listeners because one of my biggest pet peeves is somebody chewing. You know. Right. That drives me. In fact, when I'm eating an apple, that's part of my. Uh, that's my second meal of the day is an apple, and I make it a point to go out and be around nobody because the crunching of an apple drives myself nuts. But in order to sample salsa, you have to have it on a chip. I mean, so the the yeah. crunching is inevitable. So in advance, we apologize for the crunching. All right. Salsa one is very fresh tasting. Very. Not a lot of heat. Nope. But very, very good flavor with the tomatoes. The onion, the onion flavor. No, oh, the heat comes later. Just a little bit. I got uh, a little. Very, flavor, very flavorful. I think it pairs well with the lime taste of the Los Locos beer. I think, yeah, this is a really good. Really good combination. Um, I'm just going to read on uh, the untapped. Los Locos is a seasonable, seasonable, <coughs> excuse me, um, don't sessionable. Worry, don't worry, that'll be edited out. Yeah, no, not likely. Uh, we got to make sure everybody knows that we're human. Uh, Los Locos is a sessionable, refreshing lager with a hint of corn sweetness a dash of sea salt, and the perfect kick of natural lime juice. It not only pairs perfectly with spicy Mexican dishes, but is a great 
accompaniment to all of your favorite summer activities. Boom. The lime is the only, of your description, the lime is the only part of that that my palate is acquiring. I, I get that a lot. The lime, I don't, the, the corn part of it, I don't get it. I'm not, I guess I'm not educated enough as a taster. Well, but corn the lime, sweetness. The, 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 the lime is definitely there. I think what they're saying by the hint of corn sweetness is, is the, the corn sugar. Yeah, that's good. Holy, I've almost got this thing finished. What the hell? Must be good. Uh, it's a little lighter than what we're accustomed to drinking. I mean, well, true, so true. Therefore, it should go down a little easier. True. That's what she <laughs> All right. So, what we'll talk about first, just real quick, because the weather is getting so nice. Um, one of my assumptions was is that once the weather started to break and it got more summer like here in Michigan um, some of the social distancing would kind of go out the door what's been your have you had any observations to that effect um not really actually quite frankly it's the opposite and it almost could be construed as a hashtag IDGAF moment. I'm doing my business, and one of my, one of the roles that we play in my job is you have to fill coolers. Pre-COVID, you would go to the customer in front of you and say, "Can I sneak in here and fill this real quick?" Right. And 97.5 out of 100 are like, "Oh yeah, sure, go ahead." Two and a half out of the hundred are, you know, just assholes that, you know, should be facing executioners, firing squad, and be put out of their misery because they're just miserable people. But anyway, for the most part, no harm, no fall. But now, as our listeners know, our take on the uh, COVID thing, I'm on one end of the spectrum, but I know how paranoid other people are, so... Now, instead of just butting in, getting shoulder to shoulder with somebody, right. well, shoulder to shoulder with somebody is still not putting either one of us in jeopardy. No big deal. But I'm cognizant of other people's feelings, believe it or not. You know, so I will say, do you mind if I sneak in here and fill this? And they stay there three to five, six, seven feet back. Let me fill. I say, yeah, thank you. As I'm wearing a mask, feeling like an emasculated loser, no good. <laughs> douchebag and anyway so i'm at a store filling our cooler and i'm probably four feet every bit of four feet from a person reach in fill the cooler both of us are wearing masks and the customer steps back and the store personnel is like oh i'm sorry ma'am do you need this washed wiped down because at the self checkout the stores have people that will wipe down the machinery sure for the next person to you and she's oh no i'm just honoring the six foot yeah and in my head i'm thinking to myself i know she's talking to me because i'm probably I'm, I'm definitely within six feet but i'm probably three and a half to four and a half feet away from this person sure both of us are wearing the mask right not by my choice but because it, as a 
customer yeah. um, set account, yep. I honor the wishes and wear the mask. And I'm thinking, are you absolutely out of your fucking mind that you're going to step back the additional foot when neither one of us are talking to one another, both of us have mask on, and you need a sick, if you're that paranoid, you didn't need that box of ho-hos, woman. Just you should <laughs> stay at home and let the world end or you die or whatever happens next. But so anyway, so mine yeah. is just the opposite of right. everything social distancing because she was adamant she had to be six feet from me, even though both of us were masked up. Right. Could have probably jumped into an AIDS infested <laughs> water. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my quick take on it is um, kind of what I expected. A lot of the kids, the younger, the kid, the teenagers, the, maybe the, the 20-somethings, um, I've noticed a lot of the social distancing going out the door. Uh, as far as adults, I was shocked in Home Depot today, still how many people are wearing masks, still how many people are pretty conscientious of the whole thing. But the biggest thing uh, that I knew summer was here um, uh, the Harleys uh, went for a ten-mile bike ride and saw plenty, plenty of uh, plenty of Harleys out, little pods and groups and whatever they call themselves. But uh, it, the biggest thing, I guess, you know that summer's here is you have the the Harley babe on the back, um, full leather chaps on the bottom, and the tank top with no helmet. You know what I mean? That always kind of puzzles me. You're going to wear leather chaps, but then a tank top and a helmet. I think they must have some kind of thing where they have like a wardrobe malfunction roulette or something at 60 miles an hour. You know, who's ever breasts hit themselves in the face first loses. Well, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, there's no point in the chaps if you're not wearing the helmet or a vest because <laughs> you're going you're gonna to you, wish your legs are beat up once your you know, noggin hits the pavement. But has a group of motorcycle people ever been known? What would you call them, a pod? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, a pod, a pod of Harley people. Is that like a school of fish? It's a pod of Harley people? <laughs> it, <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I, I don't know the name. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not questioning, but I think you called them a pot. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but anyway, I just, I, I, just, I, I, I think they would be rather called be called a gang. I think that would probably be the appropriate term. Well, yeah, but I'm not. Gang have, I'm almost certain you dressed them as a pot. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because we're doing a pod, that's stuck in my head. That could be it. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to rate this? I believe so. All right. And it was your – so you're going first, but yep. I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert before you give your rating. I'm rating the salsa a hell of a lot higher than I'm rating the, the beer. Okay. Anyway, go on. All right. Um, going first, I like it. I'm actually – the lime in it is actually, for some reason, getting a little stronger the more I drink it, um, which isn't necessarily bad. But, I, you know, like in a lot of these beers we taste, whatever flavor we're looking to get out of it, 
you know, as long as it's subtle enough where it's not overpowering or, you know, by the end you're like, okay, yeah, I've had enough of that. Um, so I was actually going to rate it in the first half of the beer a little bit higher than I am now. The untapped group had it at 3.47. I'm still going to go a little bit above untapped and I'm going to go 3.6. Wow. All right. Um, I'm going to go not a horrible rating. It's not a, a Hazel's nuts rating or nothing, but I think after this being our 20th podcast and, you know, I think every podcast we've had minimum of two, most of them have been three. So roughly 50 plus beers we've sampled. You acquire an IPA taste, and this is much, much, much thinner, if you will. Oh, for sure. Of our traditional IPAs. The only thing that keeps us at a solid 3.00, which is my rating, is the fact that there's enough of a lime taste where it's like, okay, there's decent flavor there, but. It's not the IPA, double IPA, stout punch in the teeth that we've grown accustomed to through 19 pods. So I'm going to rate it at a 3.00 and only because the lime taste is very refreshing, which mixes well with this salsa number one, which we don't know what salsa number one is, but we will find out at the end of the pot. But I absolutely love salsa number one. What is our rating scale on salsa, Dave? Uh, we'll, have, we'll go the same. We won't make it complicated. Zero, I'm, zero I'm, to I'm, five. I'm going, I'm going to 4.2 on salsa number one. Delicious. Love it. 4.2. I'm going with a 4.0. I think it's uh, it's very good. Uh, you know, maybe a, a, obviously with my rating a little above standard, but it's a it's a it's a standard red salsa. You can see the onions, you can see the cilantro, uh, the peppers. Um, yeah, very good. Now, to our listeners and to myself, obviously, could are these all homemade or are these no? Like- Okay. Zero. It's all store-bought. Okay. Yes. going to be interesting for two and three because I would actually buy number one if I needed to buy it because number one is delicious. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, then let's get into the second tasting. For the second tasting, we've got the Jesus Mexican Lager. It's also a pale lager from the Evil Czech Brewing Company in Mishawaka, Indiana. 3703 North Main Street to be exact. So now, Dave, Dave, yeah. before we get into specifics, are we going with Jesus because of the Cinco de Mayo theme? Absolutely. So you, without question, it's not Jesus. No. It's not because it's got the little, see the little, um, um, oh crap. If I was a, like a, if I was a, if I was a writer or an English major or something like that, the little mark up there. Yeah. Jesus was a wine drinker anyway. So let's go. (laughs) So on the can, it says sometimes for beer to be good, it has to be evil. 
And then it says drink fresh, unfiltered, unpasteurized sediment may occur. Now we've had a couple, I think, pre pod uh, before we started the pod on our you know Sunday evenings when we were just starting to you know taste um, craft brews. We had a couple that had some sediment in it. I'm a little worried because I don't know if on the bottom of the can, the um, August 27th, 2019, if that's a born on date or that's a you're screwed if you drink it past this date. I'm willing to go, I'm willing to try either way, Dave. <laughs> I think we're committed. What's the name of it again? <laughs> What's the name of what? The beer. Hey, Seuss. Hey, Suze, why do you keep calling me Hey, Suze? Do I look Puerto Rican to you, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> what movie? <laughs> I was, I'm glad that's a... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my standard, I don't remember, I don't know, but I'm really glad that was a movie line because for a minute there I thought, well, Mike's finally gone off the deep end. Oh, my. I don't know if anybody else finds any humor in that, but I sure did. All right. What movie? <laughs> what movie? Oh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's what Samuel L. Jackson said to uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> you calling me hey, Seuss. Do I look Puerto Rican to you, motherfucker? <laughs> right, that'll, be, that'll be edited now. Let's go ahead and tap this bad boy. <laughs> All right. Hopefully there's not a lot of sediment, though. You know, in a homebrew, you get sediment. Right. Beer number two is out of the spit and chiclets. Not a big deal, glass. I tell you what, this Pelforth... This Pelforth uh, pint glass that you and Liz lifted from that place in, in uh, Paris, I, I, it's made for great pours. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll tell you right now, though, that judging by the lack of head on this beer, I think that was the expiration date, not the born on date of August 19th. So we'll give it a whirl anyway. <laughs> I noticed there's no head on yours either. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. It's not tasting too stinky. It's not tasting stinky, but there's not a lot of um, flavor to it. No. There's, a, there's some carbonation coming up. Well, this, I don't know if you knew this or not, Mike, but this is the house beer of the Jesus Latin Grill and Tequila Bar. Crisp malt flavor, very clean with a brilliant appearance and a slightly sweet aroma includes hint of corn and cereal grain. Oh. Yeah. Must be this. But before we get into on this day in sports and we're finishing Jesus Mexican Lager, why don't we try uh, salsa number two? Let's do it. Looks heavily laden in corn. Well, my friend, um, that's because that's mango. Oh, mango. It looks like corn, man. Mango, corn, what's the difference? Uh, there, yeah, there's, 
Is there? Yeah, there might be a little bit of corn in there, like your standard. Very smooth flavor. No bite at all. Not yet. But the flavor pops. And um, do you get the pepper, like the red pepper, right after the mango? No, it's predominantly mango here, but nice refresh, refreshing, refreshing flavor, though. Yeah. For sure. Very sweet. Which will help when we're drinking the uh, Jesus Mexican Lager. Right. So what do you have on uh, this day in sports? All right. This day in sports, my friend. Well, typically this is this is a big weekend. Huge weekend in sports. So there's a lot of this day in sports out there um, having to uh, do with the Kentucky Derby. So pretty much any of the, the huge uh, big wins that you can, if you're a horse person, uh, centers around the Derby. However, in 1910, the intercollegiate, um, well, I'm not going to get it right because I didn't write it out, but the IAAUS became the NCAA on this day in 1910. Nice. Mm-hmm. So the, How about the NCAA is 110 years old then? Well, actually, that group is older than that. It just, it, yeah, it, it just transitioned to what is now the NCAA in 1910. All right. Yeah. Now, it, it, had I been on Jeopardy, I would have actually thought the NCA was older than that. So the old adage of you learn something new every day is really applicable here. <laughs> um, I actually have two. Yep. I, I have to stick with the baseball theme because we should be in baseball season. And we're not. So my first is a baseball and May 3rd, 1936, so math guy here, 64, 84 <laughs> years ago today, one Mr. Joe DiMaggio made his major league debut and had three hits. Amazing that that's, I mean, neither, neither one of you or I were alive when it happened, but 84 years ago, because I, I, you know, I'm old enough where I know you know, Joe DiMaggio is considered one of, if not the best baseball players of all time. And it was 84 years ago right. he made his big, big league debut. Uh, the second one I found interesting, uh, number one, because it was a little bit late for an NFL draft, but in 1979, so, Matt Gay, 41 years ago today, my beloved Bears selected Dan Hampton, a.k.a. Danimal, with the fourth pick overall from the University of Arkansas. Now, wonderful selection. The guy was a badass, helped the Bears win the Super Bowl in 1985. 
but here's one of those where you, that's why when you evaluate drafts, you can't really put a, a grade on it for years later. And everything else is all relative because also in 1979, when Dan Hampton was selected fourth, fourth right. overall in the first round, yeah. um, Kellen Winslow was selected 13th. Now, he never won a Super Bowl, I don't think, because he played with his – no, he never won a Super Bowl, but one of the best tight ends of all times. So the Bears took a defensive player nine picks ahead of one of the best tight ends of all time. Right. And also, the, the ironic thing here is with the 82nd pick overall, so that would be what? Maybe about the third round, late yeah. third round, one – Joe Montana. Oh, wow. But yet, you never hear anybody say, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't believe the Bears took Dan Hampton over Joe Montana, like they do with Mitch Trubisky, who, by the way, the Bears did not decline the option on his fifth year, and so this will be his last year with the Bears, yada, yada, yada. And they always point it out and stick it straight up the Bears' hoop with a sandpaper finish that, yeah, Patrick Mahomes was taken 10th and Deshaun Watson was taken 12th. And, you know, okay, Patrick Mahomes has a Super Bowl victory, so, yeah, you can stick that to the Bears. But Deshaun Watson's done nothing more than Mitch Trubisky. But, yeah, anyway, nobody sticks it up the Bears' shoot that uh, Dan Hampton was selected with the fourth pick, and 78 picks later, one Joe Montana was selected. So right. No figure. right. Well, he probably wasn't on people's radar just like uh, the GOAT. Just like no, Brady. That's, that's right. That's, that's the speculation of the draft. I mean, it's easy to see that, you know, Peyton Manning's the better quarterback than Ryan Leaf, although I clearly stated many years ago that Ryan Leaf would be the better pro over Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning was just a good, serviceable college quarterback. So, I mean, I hit that right on the head. <laughs> I got so – I have three – I have – what else do I have? No one else is going on. Oh, I was – yeah, I, I've got three more quick ones. Good. Shoot okay, so this day in sports, Eddie, Eddie Murray hit his 400th home run in 1992. 400 dingers. Crazy. I hated that guy because the majority of his career was with the Orioles, so a lot of those 400 homers probably came against the Red Sox. <laughs> um, in 1999 – Stephen Hendry, okay, defeats Mark Williams 18-11 to 11 to win the World Snooker Championship for a record seventh time. Can you believe that? I can't believe it because he was snookered. <laughs> he might have been. And then Matt Ryan of the Falcons. You know what I'm about to say next. Yes, I, I actually saw that one, and I did not list it as my uh, choice on this day in history. But go ahead, share it with the group. Well, I just, you know, it makes you sick to your stomach. He, the, he was the Falcons quarterback at the time in 2018 when he was the first player to sign for $30 million a year on his three-year $150 million extension. Yep. Wow. And today, in, in, in 2020 terms, that's a slap in the face. They insulted Matt Ryan with that offer. <laughs> um, All right. So, um, 
But a couple days ago, it was almost this day in sports, but a couple days ago, there was one half Thor Bjornsson, the mountain. From Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones. Beat the world record in the deadlift with 501 kilograms, which in our ridiculous standard of weight would be 1,104 pounds. He deadlifted 1,104 pounds. Now, if you saw it, and I know you did, but if our listeners saw it. For our listening audience, Dave, you know, kilograms mean nothing to them. So it's, it's the 1,104 pounds, maybe pounds, which right. will resonate with our audience. So, I mean, describe it, Mike. You're kind of more of the lifter than I am. Oh, an amazing lift. I mean, the guy, you know, he lifted it so easy. Now, keep in mind, I mean, in fairness, half door is what, 6'9", 370? Something like that. Something yeah, ridiculous. He's a big man, but um, 1,100 pounds, 1,100 pounds, any way you slice it. I mean, that's that's a big lift. And what you're inevitably going to see is the naysayers will say, oh, um, he had straps on, you know, because, you know, that person is, you know, Joe Lifter, and he's going to lift shit without straps. But I'll tell you what, all right, if, if you think lifting with – weightlifting straps because that does help straps does help lifting because that grip is part of the lift right but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what dave i'll challenge you strap up to 1100 pounds let me know how you do buddy because <laughs> straps, straps or no straps i think if you and i stood side by side in the two i don't even i don't know if the two of us together simultaneously could go 1100 pounds strapped up or no so i mean and then if you saw the lift you know in this day and age of quarantine and social distancing you you know a skeptic a, a, a better skeptic angle is wasn't real because obviously there wasn't as many people there because of the the world we live in today but he lifted that fairly easy. I mean, he jerked that backer up, and it went clean, and it was like, wow. I mean, there looked like there was more in the tank. Well, his coach said he was 90, you know, uh, what did he say? He said like three months ago or, or four months ago, he was kind of eh, 50-50 on whether he'd be able to get it. But he said prior to the lift, he said, I'm 90% sure this is going to go well for him. So – his training must have went really well. Probably like any other sport, when you're training, lifting, running, whatever, when you start to taper and your body starts to build it back up stronger, you know, as you know, you're getting you're starting to rebound or recover from your from the from the punishment you put it through, your workouts. Um, that's when you start to, you know, get a feel for how well things are gonna go. And so um, yeah, it, it didn't I don't think it was a shocker for them. But uh but but segueing into you know that day, um, something else happened that was kind of cool. I think is that ESPN switched over on Saturday, uh, May the second, to the Ocho, which of course is a nod to the uh, 2004 comedy Dodgeball, 
where they had ESPN 8. Um, so in 2017, ESPN said, let's do it. Let's, let's, you know, let's call this, let's call this, uh, this, this, well, I don't want to call it a segment, but you know, let's, let's call this programming that we're going to do. Let's call it the Ocho. And so I don't know, the, the weightlifting probably would have taken place anyway, cause it was live. But then the rest of the day was to all the other kind of sports where, you know, that uh, we normal human beings could probably, you know, be a world champion in, in one form or another. So like we're talking cornhole championships, uh, putt-putt championships. Uh, they even had stone, the stone skipping uh, world championships. I'm not of the world championships, U S championships at Mackinac Island. Right. So you had the, uh, the crystal uh, world hamburger and hot dog eating championships. Um, I had forgotten completely about Golden Tee, the the arcade game, the golf arcade game. Yeah. Um, now what the hamburger hot dog eating contest? What was the record for hot dogs? Because like the Fourth of July, the Nathan's Coney Island with Joey Chestnut reigns supreme. Now, who won? What is the difference between that and? I just think it's the sponsor, you know. What, what won it though? Do you remember? Uh, in this particular one, and now I'm sad to say I didn't write down what year it was, but Kobayashi won this one, and he was at he he pretty much lapped the field at 95 hot dogs in what 10 minutes is it? Right. Well, I think Joey Chestnut's world record is 74 at the Nathan's. Hot dog, you so I have, to, and that's ten minutes as well. So we're we're gonna have to have our listeners send in to us via email what constitutes a a valid or non-valid hot dog eating contest because Joey Chestnut is the you know proclaimed right. hot dog eating champion because Nathan's is the king. I mean, Nathan's is the NFL of the hot dog eating industry. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about it. I just thought it was cool and it was fun to watch. Um, and the, you know, Kobayashi is a name that's easy to remember and actually kind of cool to say, well, but, uh, 30 with him and Joey Chestnut. What's that? There's actually a 30 for 30 with him and Joey Chestnut. Oh yeah. I didn't see that one though. Oh, so it's wonderful. Very, the other thing I saw on there, I don't know if, have you seen the juggling dodgeball? I have not. So you basically, it's not traditional dodgeball where you're trying to, you know, hit people with a dodgeball and knock them out of the game. You literally have, each side has a person juggling five glow-in-the-dark juggling clubs. They're not bowling pins, they're juggling clubs, but they glow in the dark. And the rest of your team members are basically just there to either knock down the balls that are trying to get at the juggler or... Uh, you're trying to throw balls at the other team's juggler on the other side of the other side of the court, and if if a juggler loses one of the juggling clubs, boom, game done, and it's best two out of three. So the games go fairly quick, um, but it, it just I don't know. It's only something you're going to see on the Ocho, and it was pretty cool. Now arm wrestling, have you watched much of that? No. Okay, so. Something I thought, you know, just these standard guys are going up and they're arm wrestling. It's not like this Sylvester Stallone movie. Didn't they have a movie where he was an arm wrestler? 
at one point. Okay, so over the top. Our our friends that don't forget the popcorn, they could probably they might have done that one before. Or, you know, those guys will have to bring us up to speed on the Sylvester Stallone over the top movie. But John Brezink, Brez Brezink. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. B r z e n k. He is acclaimed to be the all time all time best arm wrestler and these guys before I, I didn't see him but they were talking about him and you know they're saying oh this guy's got muscles in his arms where there's not supposed to be muscles and i'm like okay all right this is fun you know that's funny ha 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 and this guy comes out and he, he doesn't he's not too jacked i mean he doesn't look like the mountain or anything but i shit you not that guy put his elbow on the pad and put his arm up and it and it looked like it looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger's knee was on the pad and his foot, you know, this guy's hand is where his foot should have been. It was stupid. But every single person he went through in this contest is just no contest. He just stared at his hand for a minute and then went wham. <laughs> so. Well, technique, I, I never could arm wrestle very well, so I tip my cap to him. But I'm just thinking if you went John versus Half Thor, I wonder how that would work out. Or if it would be even even or they would do it just because of the weight class difference. Uh, yeah, that I don't know because, I mean, there's – I'm going on – if you maybe put a gun to my – if you put a gun to my head and made me bet, I'm going with Half Thor just for sheer size differential. Right. But, I think Hathor has a better shot of beating him in arm wrestling than he does deadlifting 1,104 pounds. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> hey, you ready to rate this? Yes, sir. All right. All right. I'm up first. I went a three on Los Locos, and what put it at a three was the nice lime taste. Um. Perhaps because we had a beer that went out of date August of 19, so nearly a year ago. It was not uncomfortable to drink, but there was no flavor that captivated my palate. So if you're going to let me pick between one or the other, I'm going to go with the Lost Logos. So if I went 3.00 on Lost Logos, I'm going to go 2.94 on Jesus from Evil Czech Brewery. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to have to, again, if the rating, it, it's hard, it's so hard to tell. But if I'm rating what I have in front of me right now, you know, and, and maybe it was the date, again, like just like what you were saying, um, you know, I'm going to have to go right in the middle and go 2.5. Oh, wow. 2.5. I'd like to – I'm going to try to see if I can get a fresh one, pay attention to the date on that, uh, and see if that's any different. My rating might be different with a, with a fresher date. Where are you going on salsa number two? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I mean, I like the mango. I like mango. Uh, I think it was just a little too, almost like a fruit salad. 
I'm trying it again, but if we I'm going to, what's that? We can hear. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, this is, this tastes good, but I would go with the first one over this as a regular, just a snack. If I want to drink some beer and eat some salsa. Agreed. I, I think I gave the first salsa over a four rating. This is an, a nice, respectable 3.5, but very refreshing. Doesn't quite have the bite I'm looking for in a salsa. Almost but, no bite. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I'm giving it a 3.0. I'll, I, I'll go along with that ranking as, as well. I mean, it's it's edible, no doubt. I mean, there's. For sure. It's clearly edible, but. When I'm going salsa, I like a little boom punch in the midsection. Well, that's good. Okay, well, let's let's transition to the third tasting. And for the third tasting, we have the Founders Masagave, grapefruit and agave, aged in tequila barrels. So this is their Founders <laughs> Barrel Age series. And... Uh, this is going to be interesting because a, a Gosa style beer is usually your standard 4.2 to 4.8. And this one is a whopping 9.7% ABV alcohol by volume with 15 IBUs. So not very high in the IBU category. And the maybe untapped. Maybe we should just do a shot of tequila instead, Dave. <laughs> maybe. Hey, I forgot to write down the uh, untapped rating. What what the untapped crowd think about this one? 3.99er. 3.99er. Roger over and out. So, as a, in layman's terms, almost a 4. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Um, before, before we crack this, I gotta I gotta settle a couple things from episode nineteen. One called to my attention, and the other I noticed on my own. The first one, Blackhawk Larry says he was more than likely a shard victim and did not full fledged shit his pants. <laughs> I didn't check, so I'm gonna take him at his word. So, apologies to Blackhawk Larry. You know, I thought you had shit your pants the way you rode home in my uh, vehicle that day. <laughs> and so I was re-listening. I listened to the pod on Monday morning, and I said in the late the first round that the Packers had drafted Aaron Rodgers' predecessor. And I even uh, tweeted out on our uh, pod's Twitter that it's like, how the fuck does a team draft its predecessor? I mean, wouldn't that be his successor? And I and I, I even a little belittled myself and said, you know, I mean, maybe I should back off the pre-pod uh, pod, you know, beers because I'm, I'm like, I, I the second I heard it on the recording, I'm like, how the fuck did they draft his pre predecessor? I mean. <laughs> Anyway, so I just wanted to clear up a little, uh, couple of uh, points from episode 19. All right. Well, thanks for doing that. Yeah, no problem. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get to this founders Masagave. All right. One of the uh, first bottles we've had in a while, so I got to get out the old red stripe bottle opener here, Dave. I've got my Grand Rap or uh, yeah, Grand Rapids, Michigan Beer City USA opener. Oh, a nice gold color to it. Mm -hmm. I don't smell the tequila, but I have not made an effort to smell it yet, so I'm a little leery on that. Oh, yeah. If you walked over the top of the glass, there's definitely a tequila smell to it. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. All right. Well, Cheers. Anyway, without further ado. Cheers. Cheers. Holy smokes. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They are... I'm not going to say it's a bad taste, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think the grapefruit numbs the, the tequila taste just enough where you can actually sit and drink this comfortably, but it's going to sneak up on you and hurt you in the long run, I believe. I think that's the whole point. I mean, they are not joking when they say masagave. This is, um, you know, I, I forgot what one we were tasting, but, you, you know, you, you alluded to it as like more like a wine cooler. This, is, this has got a lot of agave, a lot of grapefruit, a lot of agave. All right. Got pleasant notes, though. I, I actually, two drinks in. I'm liking it. We'll see how it is at the end of the old 12 ounces. But uh, before we get into a couple matters of business, let's go to salsa number three. Ah, uh, yes. And see what that leads. Right now, salsa number one is the best of the of the two that we've tasted. And here goes salsa number three. This one is a. Uh... This one, again, is more of a, you know, it's a red salsa. You can see the peppers and the onions. Um, not as much, though. This is more like a, you can, this is more tomato-y. Yeah, very, yeah. There's a very, there's distinct tomato taste to it. But then again, most salsas have tomatoes in it, so there should be a tomato taste. But I'm going to have to get it down to one versus three. Three yep. is already best. Three is already better than two. Although I, I could see where some would like salsa number two the best because of the refreshing mango taste. That's not my cup of tea, if you will. So I will have a couple more chips and decide whether I like one versus three. But right now, one and three are the top two. And anyway, Dave, before we get in. To this week's random question, which is up to you, I think I, it's time for, we were 20 episodes in, and we're going to do our second podcast giveaway. And here's the qualification for this podcast. Our listeners, which, you know, we like to say they're in the millions and millions, but in reality, it goes anywhere from 30 to 70. So 
given the given the 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 fact if there is ten or more entries and not from the same person so one person can't enter 10 times although the Wendy family I will allow three entries from the Wendy family because I know Josh Jamie and Cam listen to the podcast Hunter if you listen let me know and then I, I may give the Wendy family a fourth entry but I know three of the four Wendy's listen to the pot so if we get 10 or more entries there is a $75 gift card on the table and all you have to do is email the results of my elite a musical bracket challenge to f f a e pod that's f f a e p o d at gmail.com perfect entry is 11 points keep in mind folks this isn't what you think is the better song this is how you think i am voting because by the way at k life fail my sister i am going to be direct messaging her the results of my pool and her and her fiance aaron at no dq are ineligible for this contest I'll buy you guys dinner one time if this quarantine ever ends, but somebody's got to be witness to my picks. So anyway, you get, there's an elite eight. You get one point for the elite eight matchups, two points for the final four matchups and three points for the best song. So grand total of 11 points possible. We'll worry about a tiebreaker if a tiebreaker comes. But anyway, we have four brackets, and I'm not saying these are the eight greatest songs of all time. Our podcast, our rules, I make the, I, I, I pick the songs. So if there are better songs out there, that's not the point. Here's the, you know, just like in 85, the Villanova Wildcats may not have been the best basketball team, but during that tournament, they were, and they were crowned the champion. So on the Upper left-hand corner of the bracket, we have the Led Zeppelin region. It is Stairway to Heaven versus Dire Maker. In the lower left bracket of that same, the, the same area, the, the lower left side is the Journey bracket. Stone in Love versus Don't Stop Believing. The upper right Ozzy Osbourne bracket. We have Crazy Train versus Flying High Again. In the lower right bracket, we have Van Halen versus Van Hagar, if you will, although they were, it's always known as Van Halen. We have Ain't Talking About Love versus Why Can't This Be Love. So, you pick the winner of the Led Zeppelin bracket, that goes up against the winner of the Journey bracket. The right side of the bracket is the winner of the Aussie bracket, goes up against the winner of the Van Halen bracket. And then you pick the winner. And like I said, I will direct message my sister Caitlin at KLifeFail. And best, a perfect bracket is 11 points. The best record, 11 points, 
gets a $75 gift certificate or $75 gift card if and only if we at least get 10 entries. If one person responds to this, fuck all of you and nobody gets nothing. So <laughs> anyway, so that's what we got. If you can't, and, and Dave, you know, we, you know, typically we get anywhere from 30 to 70 listeners, give or take. If we can't get a third of them to send a fucking email in a time of quarantine when there's nothing else to do with this criteria, and I will tweet it out on our Twitter, uh, the EPOD Twitter account of the matchups, just in case nobody's writing this down as they're driving to work or driving from work, so they can check it out on Twitter. The Zeppelin versus Journey. Ozzy versus Van Halen, the winners meet, 11 points possible, $75 on the line, go. And I'm going to, why don't I see if I can't, within the next 24 hours, get a, get a bracket out there on our Facebook page. Perfect. That'll work. Just, I'll, I'll do a pick. The answers have to be sent via email, though, so nobody can see your response and nobody right. can, like, change one thing and again send your email answers to f-f-a-e-p-o-d at gmail.com for a 75 dollars visa gift card and all you got to do if there's any validity to it reach out to uh what's the uh the, what was the rap slayer whoever won the joke contest oh yeah it was a 20 dollars gift card paid out to him so this our 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 pod does pay and does honor requests. So, and again, final notice before Dave gets into the final question, this is my choices. So you may think Stairway to Heaven is the best of those eight songs. That doesn't mean you're the winner because maybe I don't think Stairway to Heaven is the best song of those eight. Right. Got it. That's a great, that's a great contest. $75 gift card. Wow. All right. Let's get to the random question. You ready for this, Mike? Yes, sir. All right. We talked earlier about the Ocho, ESPN 8, and all the, you know, backyard, different kind of games, uh, whatever. So what are what would be your top three Ocho sports and which one would you most likely be the world champion of? All right. Um, the juggling dodgeball that you mentioned, I don't know. I don't. I like throwing shit at people, not just juggling shit. So I don't know if I like that as much. Um, what would I be the world champ of, though? I mean, can I make up an event, or does it actually have to be an event? Oh, you can, I, whatever you think they would put on the Ocho. So if there's a competition, if there's somebody that has, you know, 12 people, they get together and they have a world championship of something right. and name it. All right. Here's, I mean, again, this is definitely going to be on the Ocho because in my line of work, part of the, our job is to organize a back room and as Kid Rock sang in a song, it ain't bragging, motherfucker, if you back it up. I am the king of backroom condensing. So if there was any sporting <laughs> event related along the lines of getting 
X number of items into a certain amount of space accessible for the next person, I'm your guy. So that would be my event. And I, I, I go on record without, I, I don't even think there's a, a challenge out there that somebody could challenge me on that ability. So again, it's a made up event. Nobody pays me to come to see me work, although they should, because I am the goat, you know, like Tom Brady, I am the goat of that field. But um, that would be what I would say. It, you know, I can get X number of X item yeah. into a certain space and make it look better than anybody else. Well, I tell you what, if, in those strongman, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the strongman contest, but if they can, if they can just, you know, go a couple hours and think up of, think up of all these crazy, just throwing heavy shit around, then they could come up with a contest where you got to, you know, pretty much take a hoarder's garage and condense it down into like a tote. So, you know, that, that would be impressive. So my three would be not in, well, I would probably be in this order would be cornhole, putt-putt, and badminton. And not too many people know this about me, but I am a badass badminton player. I mean, like, I'm scary. Like, I scare people when I play badminton. Which is weird because I, I was with you for the first two because I can respect you know, the, the cornhole players and the putty golf players. And right. Badminton is just like, I could never hit that birdie, it, no matter what, no matter if I try it soft or sh- try it hard or sh- fast or whatever. I could never get that fucker to go. So you had me until you said badminton. But if you're the ch- if, if you're the goat, yeah, I mean, I can I could send you to the hospital in badminton, and I could call which part of the body I'm going to damage the most. You know the commercial like a couple of years ago, prior to the Olympics, where they had the uh, the two the two Asian guys on the one side of the badminton net and they had the two NFL football players from America on the other side and the badminton or excuse me, the, the Asian guy, you know, smashed it in across the net into the, into the NFL players thigh and it was lodged in there. And he's just sitting there looking at it, screaming like, ah, yeah, that's me. I can do that to you. Nice. Yeah. So, well, Remind me never to challenge you in badminton. Then <laughs> I, I'm not as apprehensive about going mano a mano in cornhole, though. But badminton, I'm gonna badminton. I'm gonna tap right now. <laughs> you gonna tap out of badminton, huh? So are we ready to rate uh, Masagave and the and the uh, salsa. I am. Yeah, I'm liking this more and more. I think right at, right at first, the amount of the amount of grapefruit, uh, the amount of fruitiness in there is just a shocker. That's all. It's a weird mix. It's a it's a weird mix. Yeah, and not weird in a bad way necessarily. Just different. Exactly. So, um, and and they're probably, you know, with all the other uh, uh, barrel aged beers that we've had uh they might be trying to mask the tequila just a little bit so you have six or seven of these and end up under the table 
So as far as this category goes, I like it. Uh, trying to figure out how many, you know, how many I could have because that's part of my it's part of my rating system. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this at a solid four point one zero. Yikes! All right. Um, I can't go into the four range because it's typically not the type of beer that I like to drink. Although, like you said, the more you drink, the notes of the grapefruit splash tequila. Very pleasant. Um, it's my favorite of the night for sure. And since I rated Los Locos at three, I'm going to stay in true form of our Cinco de Mayo theme. And I am going to rate the, the Mass Agave grapefruit a 3.55. Get it? May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. I don't think it's good enough to give it a four. I'm not, right. arguing, I'm not arguing you. I'm not arguing with you that you rated a four. I can't give it a four, but it's my favorite of the night. I gave the uh, Los Locos a three. I, I like a 3.55. Nice, you know, because it does right. have a nice little grapefruit with a tinge of tequila yeah i mean our listeners know that i that my palate goes towards the the sweeter ones a little bit more than yours do so that makes a lot of sense what about the uh what about salsa number three uh salsa salsa number three and before you reveal because you can reveal what one two and three are right correct yeah i've got it in an envelope here all right so before you reveal it I like number three better than number two, only by a smidge, but number one far and away because it had the most bite, which is what I go for in a salsa. So I'm going to rate the salsas one, one, three, two, two, three. All right. So you like number one best, number three the next, and number two the least. Correct. Okay, and so I'm going to – I like number two. I just like the right the least of the three. I don't think you're going to hurt anybody's feelings, like I said. All right, I'm going to open the envelope here. Take this out here. All right, Shelly, what do we got? All right, so we'll go with – the number two salsa, the mango salsa, I'll tell you, that's member's mark. Okay. So that is, isn't member's mark, is that a Sam's Club? No. Yes. Member's mark. I think that's a Sam's Club salsa. The mango salsa, right? No clue. I don't know. Look that up while I'm, while I'm reading off these other ones. So you liked... The number three salsa, uh, it's more of a, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a tomato-y, uh, more of a solid, um, you can't really see like actual tomato chunks in it uh, like a traditional salsa. 
That one is actually uh, Meyer Thick and Chunky Salsa. Meyer brand. So you're number two, my number two. I, I'm with you, though, as far as which one I like, you know, the order. So that one was a Meyer Thick and ch Chunky Salsa. And the number one salsa of the night, the one each of us like the best, is Chuck and Dave's brand salsa. So um, did you happen to look up? I don't know why I can't remember what member's mark is. It's kind of sad. Where's Chuck and Dave from? That that stands the reason that that's the best because that's like a almost a non-mass market. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, um, that, that was the best one by far. Although the other two are good. I, I would recommend the other two. I just like one best. Um, yeah, members mark is Sam's Club. So the mango salsa was from Sam's Club, and the other salsa was a Chuck and Dave's. So exactly, you hit the you hit the nail on the head. All right. Anyway, Dave, episode twenty, one fifth of the way to a hundred. Is it? It's mind numbing to think we're 20 episodes deep but as I look down into my it's all bullshit mug I can see I'm out of beer and as the late great Stuart Scott once said you ain't gotta go home but you gotta get the heck up out of here <laughs>